0: Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a Primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is... Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we're thankful to share time on this program with Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and Elder Joe Nettles. And we'd invite you to come and worship with us at Macedonia Church in Ackerman, Mississippi, or Sulphur Springs Church in Caledonia, Mississippi on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And then also we have a joint meeting in Starkville, Mississippi at 6 p.m. located at the New Covenant Church on 200 West Garrett Road. And we would love to have you come out and worship with us. Love to meet you. If you have any questions or you just listen, we'd love for you to contact us. You can email us. You can write us if you want to write through postal mail. You can find that on the website gospel-of-grace.com and you can find our contact information and other past messages in a church that may be close to you and also you can find good content and a summary of these radio messages at least the ones that I've delivered at macedonia-pbc.org. So we hope that those websites can be edifying for you. This morning we want to continue our consideration of Jesus Christ in the law and we want to focus on the feast this morning. There are various feasts in the Old Testament that are pointing toward various aspects of Jesus' life, both His first coming and His second coming, and we want to consider those together, and we certainly hope that this will be edifying and profitable for you this morning. Please stay tuned, and we'll consider those verses together right after this song.
2: I want a sober mind to see my God above and to the heavens fly I soar away I soar away above, above the sky I fly and fly, and fly, and fly. to and see fly my God To see my God above, I want a godly fear, a quick discerning eye. To fly. I soar away, I soar away above, above the sky. I fly, I fly. fly and fly to see my God above. I fly, fly, I fly to see my God above. I soar away, I soar away above the sky. I the sky. fly. To, to, see God, to see my God, to see my God, i fly, 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 to see my God above.
1: Good morning, and thank you for staying tuned with us here on the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. This is David Wise this morning, and we're continuing to go through Jesus Christ in the Mosaic Law, and we've spent a few messages considering the Feast in the Old Testament. We've talked about the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover. We've talked about the Feast of Firstfruits and the Feast of Weeks, also known more commonly as the Feast of Pentecost. And we'd like to look at the three remaining holy days, two of those being a feast and one of those being the all offerings of the Day of Atonement. We'd look like to look at those this morning. So, again, just to give you a very brief overview, Leviticus chapter 23 describes all seven of these holy days. You have four in the spring, and we've already talked about those that occur in the first month, the Passover being on the 14th day of the first month. And then you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread for the next seven days. Then you have the First Fruits sometime roughly during that period. And then you have the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost 50 days after the offering or the Feast of First Fruits. So, those were the ones that happened in the spring of the first Jewish month, which was in the March to April range. But then you have a second set of feast days, of festivals, of holy days that are in the seventh month the seventh month. And anytime we see the number seven, right, that should kind of perk up our spiritual ears. The seventh month is described in some places as ethneum, but it's more commonly known as tishri. So the seventh month, biblical number of perfection and completion, right? That shouldn't surprise us. In the seventh month and the first day of the month, there was a Sabbath of trumpets, a feast of trumpets. And then on the 10th day of the month, the 10th day of seventh month was the day of atonement. And then the 15th day of the seventh month, there was a feast of tabernacles. So you have three holy days in these fif- this 15-day period in the seventh month. And as we saw the spring festivals the spring four feast, all were dealing with the death of jesus christ the resurrection of jesus christ and then the day of pentecost and the beginning of the church age right and i believe obviously the day of atonement jesus paid for our sins on the day of atonement but i think when you look at these ones in the fall They are pointing toward the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So the four holy days and feasts that occurred in the spring were all pointing toward the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, his resurrection, and then the establishment of the church age during that period at his first coming, And these three fall feasts are pointing toward his second coming. Okay. Now, before we get there, before we get there, I want to highlight just very quickly by way of the Feast of Tabernacles was in the seventh month and on the 15th day in John chapter one and verse 14, it says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And that word dwelt literally means to tabernacle among us. And through Christian and primarily Catholic tradition, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on December 25th. There's no biblical evidence or even historical evidence that Jesus was born on December 25th. And there are many things in the gospel accounts that would lead us to not think that. But there's a many reasons that I believe support this, and it's not my intention to take the time to highlight all of that today. But in the seventh month corresponds to about September or October in our calendar. Now, if you think about the ministry of Jesus Christ, right? He spent 30 years and then his ministry became public and then he had about a three and a half year ministry, three and a half years. And then we know definitively that he was sacrificed in the first month, okay? So if you kind of back that up and say that Jesus was 33 and a half years old, then that would indicate that he was born in the seventh month around the September, October time frame. which by the way, would make perfect sense Since... John chapter one and verse fourteen says the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. Wouldn't that make perfect sense, right? Wouldn't that make perfect sense that Jesus Christ came into this world the first time and he took up on his earthly tabernacle of men, that he showed up on the feast of tabernacles? Wouldn't that make perfect sense? So I would say that Jesus was born at some point in the September to October time frame in the seventh month, and whatever day it was on that particular year. I would think that Jesus was born on or during the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's something for you to think about in regards to Jesus's first coming. But I believe that these fall holy days, these fall feasts, are pointing toward primarily Jesus's second coming. Okay? And obviously we know that there is a significant gap, a significant span of time between six months precisely in the Jewish calendar. There's a specific span of time that is different from the spring feast to the fall feast, that which I think points us toward Jesus Christ and the span of time that he is waiting between his first coming and his second coming. So the Feast of Trumpets, what was the Old Testament commandment for the Feast of Trumpets? First of all, it was commanded to be a Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of trumpets. Now, when we say a trumpet, in our mind today, we think about a brass trumpet, but a trumpet in the Old Testament is a ram's horn, a ram's horn. And if you think about that, a ram's horns on Mount Moriah Genesis 22 was caught in a thicket. The horns of the ram was caught in the thicket. That ram lost his life in substitutionary sacrifice for Isaac. So if anyone is blowing a ram's horn, that's evidence that that ram lost its life, right? So this trumpet that's being blown is not a brass trumpet. It is a ram's horn. And that's evidence that that ram had lost its life. So again, Mount Moriah, the ram's horn is caught in the thicket. The ram offered its life in substitutionary sacrifice for Isaac representing the people of God. And he said there on Mount Moriah that God himself would perform. God himself would offer a sacrifice. And that ram's horn again is a picture that a ram has lost its life. So don't lose sight of that either, that that trumpet is being blown because a ram had lost its life. So there on the Feast of Trumpets, that Sabbath of Trumpets, there would be a holy convocation, no servile work. It was a high Sabbath. A burnt offering which would should be offered one young bullock, a ram, seven lambs, a sin offering, a kid of the goats. You have various meat offerings and drink offerings. So Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was resurrected. He ministered to the church and to the apostles for 40 days, and he went back up into heaven. And Jesus said that I'm going to return to earth the same way that you saw me go. He went up with clouds and he's coming back with clouds. He went up with angels. He's coming back with angels. He went up with a shout and he's coming back with a shout. Jesus also went up with a trumpet and he's coming back with a trumpet. Psalm 47, Psalm 47 and in verse 5, God is gone up with a shout and the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. So at his first coming, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, there was a shout and there was a sound of a trumpet. And Jesus says, when I come back the second time, it's gonna be the same way. And the New Testament is so clear about this. When Jesus comes back the second time, there will be a shout and there will be a trumpet. Matthew 24 and 31, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 16, Revelation chapter 10 and in verse 7. Consistently taught throughout the New Testament that at the second coming of Jesus Christ, there will be the sound of a trumpet. The sound of a trumpet that will announce that the Son of God is returning to reap this earth. That the Son of God is returning to bring his ransom people home. Praise God. So, the Feast of Trumpets is primarily pointing toward that trumpet that will sound at Jesus' second coming, right? So, that happened on the first day of the seventh month. So, then on the tenth day of the seventh month was the Day of Atonement. Now, obviously, we know we've considered that in depth. We have talked about the Day of Atonement in previous messages. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those if you haven't yet. Beautiful pictures of the redemption of Jesus Christ. And obviously, the Day of Atonement is describing in depth what Jesus did in paying the penalty for our sins when he came his first time right? And the veil of the temple was rent in twain. He went, entered into the the holy place, and he sprinkled his blood upon the mercy seat. And because of that, our sins have been forgiven, right? In regards to the Day of Atonement in the fall festivals of trumpets, and then the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, I believe the Feast of Trumpets is clearly pointing toward that trumpet that will sound at the second coming of Jesus Christ, Now, it's evident that on the Day of Atonement, Jesus went in and he performed the legal work to save his people from their sins by offering that blood upon the mercy seat. But there will come another time when the blood of Jesus Christ is inspected, if you will. And after the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns again, all of the dead will be resurrected, both the just and the unjust, both the elect and the non-elect will all be resurrected. And there will be a general judgment. There will be all of mankind, this is described in Matthew chapter 25, all of the resurrected, all of mankind will come before the Lord and there will be a separation of the goats from his sheep. And it's at that time that the work that Jesus performed of going in once into the holy place and paying the penalty for sin, it is at that time that Jesus will declare that my blood has paid for these people and that is the reason that they will not enter into judgment, right? So Jesus paid the penalty for sin at his first coming, and he entered into that holy place. The veil of the temple was rent in twain, and because of that, we have already been redeemed. But there will be a second inspection of that work, if you'll let me use that language. There will be a second verification of the work that Jesus performed by paying the penalty for our sins, and that will occur at the general judgment. So what happens is that Jesus will return the second time, that trumpet will be blown, and then you have the general judgment. And that's pointing toward this Day of Atonement in the sequence of trumpets, atonement, and then tabernacles. So in atonement, every sin has to receive a just recompense of reward. And that's the whole purpose of the Day of Atonement, Right. We know that we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that we are under judgment, but we are offering a sacrifice so that we will be saved from judgment. Well, God, at that last general judgment, will open up his holy law and every sin will either be paid for in the person of the non-elect in the lake of fire for all of eternity, or that sin has been paid for in the person of Jesus Christ on the tree of the cross, so when at that general judgment, when the goats are separated on the left hand, we have a picture of that left hand judgment in Revelation chapter 20 when they're judged according to their own works, right? There's no atonement for them. There's no blood that's shed up on the mercy seat for them. They're judged according to their own works and they are cast in a lake of fire for all of eternity. But what happens on the right hand with his sheep? What happens is that Jesus Christ stands before God at that general judgment with all of his sheep. And he says, as it says in Hebrews, these are all of the children that thou hast given me. These are the children that I have redeemed from their sins. I paid for their sins on the tree of the cross. But when the day of judgment comes, right? When the day of judgment comes, Jesus Christ will stand up and say, I have paid the penalty for their propitiation, for their atonement, and because of my blood that was shed upon the mercy seat, now let's bring our beloved sheep, bring our beloved children, bring our beloved bride into heaven. And that leads into the final of these feasts, which happened on the seventh month and the 15th day, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, but that is also known as the Feast of Ingathering. So... Let's look at the Old Testament requirements for it, and then we will point toward the second coming of Jesus Christ. Next is chapter 23 and verse 16. It's called the Feast of Ingathering. We're going to come back to that. The Feast of Ingathering. And they would dwell in tabernacles, dwell in booths for seven days. There would be a feast of corn and wine. This is about an eight day total. You would have a first day of a holy convocation. And then on the eighth day, there would be another holy convocation. The first day you would take bows of trees. You would rejoice before the Lord for seven days. You would dwell in booths that ye may know. This was the purpose of this, that ye may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. It was a remembrance of deliverance from. From bondage. And this is in Numbers chapter 29. Very interesting. I'm sure there's significance to this. Don't really know what they are. But in Numbers chapter 29, each day of this feast, there were offerings that was to be made. And the first day of the feast, you started with 13 young bullocks, two rams, 14 lambs of the first year without blemish, a kid of the goats for a sin offering. And then of course you have your daily offerings. And each day you offer one less young bullock. So the rams, the lambs, the goat, they all stayed the same for at least the first seven days. But it's very interesting. I'm sure there's some significance to this. I don't really know what it is. But the first day you offered 13 bullocks. Second day you offered 12. Third day you offered 11. Fourth day you offered 10 fifth day you offered nine, the sixth day you offered eight, the seventh day you offered seven, and then you get to the eighth day and you do one young bullock, one ram, seven lambs, which was half of what you've been offering for the last week, one more kit of goats, and then of course your daily offerings. So the number of bullocks that are required are going down by one every day. I'm sure there's some significance to that and I, I don't know what that is. Maybe you can meditate on that and receive some clarity. But the Feast of Tabernacles, we already mentioned of Jesus' first coming, that I believe he was born in the September-October time frame that would be associated with John chapter 1 and verse 14, that he came and tabernacled with us. But the verse that really cinches in my mind the significance of the Feast of Tabernacles and it pointing toward Jesus' second coming after the general judgment in the sequence of these feasts, in Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21, we have been pointed toward a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. Remember, the Feast of Tabernacles was one of those feasts that you had to go to Jerusalem for. And remember, it was the last time you had to go to Jerusalem during that year. So it was your last return. Right, The Feast of Tabernacles was your last return to Jerusalem during that calendar year. So in Revelation 21, we have a picture of the new heavens and the new earth, and now he sees a new Jerusalem. Remember, the Feast of Tabernacles is your last visit to Jerusalem in this calendar year. And now he sees a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there'll be no more death nor sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. See, the tabernacle of God, in an earthly sense, a tabernacle is just a little tent that you put up for a little bit and you got to move on or it wears out. But the tabernacle of God is eternal, right? This new Jerusalem is an eternal tabernacle that will never wear out. So here you have the sequence of, of these fall events, these fall feasts. And you have the trumpet that announces the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you have the general judgment where Jesus stands up for the work that he performed on the day of atonement. And then we are ushered into the new heavens and the new earth. And we're ushered into new Jerusalem, into this eternal tabernacle with God. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Remember, Jesus told his his disciples in John 14, in my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare these mansions for you. That word mansion just means a dwelling place. Now that mansion Part of the reason why I think the King James translators gave us that word mansion is because it's a whole lot better dwelling place than you're gonna have here on this earth. So you may dwell in a tent and a tabernacle here on this earth, but on, in heaven, you're gonna have a mansion. But what that word means though is a dwelling place, right? A dwelling place. And that's what we will have in heaven is an eternal dwelling place. And and, and where we, our eternal dwelling place is in just the bosom of God, right? The bosom of the Lamb. Our eternal tabernacle, our eternal dwelling place is in the Lord's presence. Amen? And just by way of reference, it's my opinion that when the man of sin is revealed that... He will have a three and... There's a lot of references to three and a half years. It's referenced in days and months and in years and times, time and the dividing of times. And it sure seems to me there's going to be a very significant three and a half year period at the end of time. And if you think about it, the man of sin is clearly going to want to mock Jesus Christ whenever he sets up. This is my opinion from Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Whenever he enters into the temple and shows himself that he is God... It's my opinion that he's going to do that in a date that will correspond to when Jesus died for our sins as the true Passover. Some of these things may be allegorical and I may be wrong about this. I will tell you, I tend to think that that man of sin will probably be revealed in the first Jewish month in the March to April time frame. So just keep your spiritual eyes and ears open. And if that happens, if that happens, that the man of sin is revealed in a March to April time frame, boy, three and a half years later, <laughs> three and a half years later, when it gets to September, October, boy, the children of God need to be rubbing our hands and our hands to heaven saying, Lord Jesus, come quickly, because I think that's when Jesus is coming back. I think Jesus is coming back in the September to October time frame. He's going to come back in the Feast of Trumpets, and then we're going to enter into the the general judgment, and he's going to defend his sacrifice on our back, and then we're going to enter into the eternal Feast of Tabernacles and enter into our eternal dwelling place with God. So all of this, at least in my opinion, is pointing toward the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, when things start heating up before the second coming of the Lord and that man of is revealed and there's severe persecution of the disciples of Jesus Christ, I'll tell you, when it starts getting to September, October, boy, we need to start looking to the hills. We need to start looking toward those eastern skies. We need to start looking toward the Lord's second coming. Look up beleaguered child of God, because your redemption is drawing nigh. And I believe he's going to come in that September, October time frame in association with that feast of trumpets. And then we will ever be in the eternal feast of tabernacles with our beloved lamb. Praise God. Amen. I hope that you can see Jesus Christ in this. I hope that you can see his death and burial and resurrection and the establishment of the church age in those spring feasts. And I sure hope you can see the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in these fall feasts. The culmination of all of time. The culmination of... Everything of why the Lord even created this earth is for that trumpet to sound and his come back the second time and those that bride that he redeemed by his own shed blood, he will take that bride to be in the eternal tabernacle with him and God the Father for all of eternity. Praise God, amen? Praise God. And Lord Jesus, come quickly. Boy, listen for that sound of the trumpet. Listen for that shout and that sound of the trumpet. And boy, we shall ever be in the Feast of Tabernacles with our beloved Lord. Lift up your eyes, child of God. Lift up your eyes, because our redemptions drawing nigh. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I can guarantee you it's closer than it's ever been. Amen? <laughs> this is the closest we've ever been to that trumpet sounding. This is the closest we've ever been to the day of our salvation being revealed. We're one day closer to that trumpet sounding. We're one day closer to the Lord coming back. And so shall we ever be with the Lord in that eternal Feast of Tabernacles. God bless you, child of God, this morning. I hope these these thoughts have been encouraging for you. I think we'll probably try to offer one more message to try to wrap this up. But I hope this study of Feast has been a blessing to you. And I hope that your heart is turned, that your soul is stirred to look toward the second coming of our beloved Lamb. And we all say together, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. God bless you this morning.
0: If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under Podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, A Primitive Baptist Radio Broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 And tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.